Hi, everybody. Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain. Hope you're doing well. Now, when Germany undergoes a political crisis, which it is currently doing so, it behooves Europe, if not the entire world, to sit up and pay attention. The story of the current political crisis in Germany involves a focus on the state of Bavaria, the largest German state by land area, and its second most populated with 12.9 million inhabitants. As the October 14th Bavarian state elections approach, Germany is in the midst of what can really only be described as a political civil war, which not only threatens the current current government coalition, but the political future of long-term German Chancellor Angela Merkel and the stability of the European Union itself. So the German federal election, which happened on September 24th, 2017, signaled significant discontent with the direction of the country, seeing Angela Merkel's Christian Democrats, CDU, only receive 26.8% of the vote, down from 34.1% in 2013. Now, for my American friends, how do you end up being in charge with only a quarter of the vote? Well, that's the joys of a really, truly multi-party political system and coalition governments. The Christian Social Union, CSU, also fell from 7.4% to 6.2%, and the Social Democratic Party, or SPD, had their worst result since the Second World War, falling from 25.7% to 20.5%. Now, the Christian Social Union and the Christian Democrats have been aligned and sort of two sides of the same fennec for about 70 years. Their fortunes tend to rise and fall as one. So, what happened? Well, I'm going to make a case as to what's going on and what the outcome could be as we plow on. So German federal elections, these are the total results, 2013 and 2017. Now, again, for those of you listening in the podcast, worth looking at the um, at the video. So 2013 is the yellow bar on the top, 2017 is the red bar below. And as you can see, there has been a particular shift. Christian Democrats have lost, Christian Social Union has lost, the Social Democratic Party has lost. The alternative for Germany, the alternative seems to be, let's maybe think about not turning Germany into Africa, has had a massive growth, more than doubled from 4.7% to 12.6%. The Free Democratic Party went from 4.8% to 10.7%. The Greens are hanging roughly the same. And the Left Party, which I suppose is a fairly uh, truth in advertising kind of thing, that is uh, huge. What is going on? Well, the results of open borders, the results of Angela Merkel importing hundreds and hundreds of thousands of migrants, uh, 200,000 still annually in Germany, is causing significant concerns for the population as a whole. So these are the German federal election Bavaria results, 2013 and 2017. CDU-CSU have dropped more than 10 points from 49.3 to 38.8. Social Democratic Party dropped almost 5 points. The alternative for Germany, 4.2 to 12.4%. The Free Democratic Party are doubled. Greens, Left Party, and other remain relatively stable. So the uh, Free Democratic Party are somewhat in the classical liberal camp. Following the German federal election in 2017, attempts were made to form a coalition government to run the country. With the success of the alternative for Germany and free democratic parties, this became, well, significantly more difficult. Now, ultimately, a government coalition was formed between Angela Merkel's Christian Democrats, CDU, Horst Seehofer's Christian Social Union, and the Social Democrats. Seehofer's Bavaria-focused CSU is commonly referred to as the sister party of Merkel's CDU, and the parties have maintained a conservative parliamentary alliance for approximately 70 years. Now, prior to the formation of the government coalition on December 4th, 2017, Christian Christian Social Union party leader and then Bavarian State Premier Horst Seehofer announced that he would step down as Premier, but that he intended to remain as CSU leader. Seehofer announced that he would hand over the Bavarian Premiership to his then-finance minister, Marcus Suda, in the first quarter of 2018. So this is then Bavarian Finance Minister Marcus Suda on December 17, 2017, and I quote, Our world is Occidental Christian, Jewish humanistic. Islam has not made an outstanding contribution to Bavaria in the last 200 years, and now we have to be clear about the roots of our own land. Those who believe that Sharia, he says, is more important than the Bavarian constitution 
are entitled to that opinion. But they don't have to have it here in Germany. Anyone who comes to us has to adapt to our values, manners, and customs, and not the other way round. Now, here, of course, is the great question of integration, the great question of integration. Now, prior to the welfare state, prior to massive government handouts totaling sometimes 10 times the wages that someone can get in the Middle East, people would come for freedom. But now, a lot of times, they come for free stuff. And because they're coming for free stuff, they have no particular goal for integration. And they have no particular need for integration. Because if you move to a country and don't speak the language and don't understand the culture and aren't getting free stuff, well, then you have to make your way. You have to try and find some way to get a job and integrate into the culture, at least economically speaking. But when you're getting free stuff, free stuff creates a moat. The no-go zones are the moat created by the welfare state where people are paid for being there without needing to integrate. And in fact, if they integrate and if they start working, they lose all of their benefits and may end up with lower wages overall. So you're actually paying people to not integrate at the same time as they have a direct internet pipeline to their home culture. You don't have to wait for three weeks for the newspapers to show up and be poured over in some distant library. You have instant communication back to your home country in your native language and you're paid to not integrate. So paying people massive amounts of welfare to just basically paying them to not integrate and then expecting them to integrate is a contradictory well, contradictory set of goals, I think that the European population is just at last beginning to wake up to this basic fact. Then Bavarian State Premier Horst Seehofer quoted his CSU party predecessor, Franz Josef Strauss, on December 17, 2017, and said, Bavaria is our home, Germany our fatherland, and Europe our future. For us, Bavaria will always be first. CSU leaders won't agree to anything that would make our state campaign harder or would even damage it. The maxim is still valid that we don't do anything that plays out to our disadvantage in Bavaria. The conflict between Merkel CDU and Seehofer CSU escalated in February as Merkel attempted to solidify the current government coalition. Without Seehofer CSU, Merkel CDU and the Social Democrats wouldn't have been able to secure a majority coalition thus facing new elections. So this is a significant difference. Now, Merkel is embracing and, and importing and using basically debt to pay for wave after wave of migrants. And this guy is saying, hmm, I got to ask the basic question, what's in it for the native population? Your taxes are going to go up. Terrorism is going to go up. Crime is going to go up. Affirmative action policies are going to promote other groups at the expense of your own group. What is the benefit to the native population. Altruism can only go so far before it becomes self-immolation. The new coalition government took office on March 14th, 2018, including Horst Seehofer becoming the new interior minister. But the problems escalated as the Bavarian-focused Christian Social Union eyed rising Bavarian support for the alternative for Germany as the October 14th, 2018 state elections approached. Now, of course, the alternative for Germany is looking to reduce uh, the waves of migrants and to maintain borders and to maintain the cultural composition of the country that took untold millions of victims of war and civil war to maintain. On March 15, 2018, new interior minister and continuing CSU leader Horst Seehofer further distanced himself from Chancellor Angela Merkel's position that Islamic faith is part of German culture using similar language as the alternative for Germany party. And I quote, Islam doesn't belong to Germany. Germany has been shaped by Christianity. Muslims who live with us here are, of course, a part of Germany. But this doesn't mean that we have to falsely consider giving up our country-specific traditions and customs. And here's an interesting mental exercise. Create just a group. Create just a, a gathering of people and have as the manifesto for that gathering of people, the central tenets of Islam, and see how, how you do. Interior Minister Horst Seehofer on March 18th, 2018 said, Not that many border points in Germany are permanently occupied. We will now discuss whether that needs to change. Internal border checks between EU member states must be in place so long as the EU fails to effectively control the external border. Where boundaries have been crossed, rules or laws are broken. I am going to show zero tolerance. Security is a human right. 
and I am committed to this every day. And that is important because one of the ideas of the EU was, oh, you have a common market and so on, people be able to move. But the goal was, of course, for the EU to control the external borders and there were procedures and policies and laws in place to supposedly achieve that, but the EU did not enforce the laws. And thus people gave up their internal security in the hopes of gaining some sort of external security which failed to materialize. And now it's a... a De facto, not just open borders. The open borders is one way of putting it, but it's not open borders. It's invited borders. It is negative borders because open borders is, well, you can just wander wherever you want. Invited borders are, hey, you come here and we'll pay you, you know, the equivalent of 10 times the salary in your home country just for getting here. That's not open borders. That's invited borders. So Bavaria state elections, the top five parties as of 2013, a couple of years ago, of course. Christian Social Union got almost half. Social Democratic Party, just over a fifth. Free voters, nine. Greens, 8.6. Free Democratic Party, 3.3. So this is the breakdown before the AFD came along. On April 25th, 2018, the Bavarian government, overseen by new premier Marcus Suda, ruled that all government buildings must display a cross at their entrance, a move pushing back against predominantly Islamic migrants and a clear response towards pro-migration policy. Bavarian government statement goes like this. As an expression of the historical and cultural character of Bavaria, a cross should be clearly perceptible as a visible commitment to the basic values of the legal and social order in Bavaria and Germany. New Bavarian State Premier Marcus Suda said, The cross is a fundamental symbol of our Bavarian identity and way of life. It stands for elemental values such as charity, human dignity, and tolerance. The cross is, of course, first a religious symbol, but there is so much more in it. In Bavaria, there is a different connection between the state and religion. European Humanist Federation Vice President Michael Bauer said, As a symbol, the cross by no means connects all the citizens of Bavaria. For us, the Christian cross is not a symbol of common values. Self-determination, freedom, and tolerance are neither embodied by the cross nor the crucifix. Compulsory crucifixes in official buildings are no more than the government's unsuitable attempt to cover up the uncertainty of its own political future. And this is the strangest thing, of course, because you have invited borders, because you pay people a fortune to come to your country and sit on welfare, then you get all these people coming in, you pay them to not integrate, and then you end up with weird rules like you've got to ban the burqa and you've got to have crosses on government buildings. It's because you have no sanity in terms of your immigration policy or migration policy. You end up with the Eiffel Tower, which withstood a Nazi invasion, but now has to have anti-terrorist barricades around it in order to prevent it from being destroyed by terrorists. In other words... Because you don't have a border around France, you now have to have terrorist blockaded rings around the Eiffel Tower. And, of course, these are Band-Aids on a huge problem. By 2050, the world as a whole is going to be a whole lot more African. So, from now until 2050, the population of Africa is set to double from 1.26 billion people to 2.53 billion people. And they will end up being a quarter of the people on the planet. 2015, the fertility rate in sub-Saharan Africa was almost five children per woman. If you look at Niger, which is very poor, there are 7.6 children per household. Tens of millions of new Africans are being created every single year. And if, if Europe takes a million of them, what does it matter? What does it do? This doesn't solve the problem. Migration doesn't solve the problem. Banning the burqa doesn't solve the problem. Putting crosses on government buildings doesn't solve the problem. I'm not sure exactly what does, but when you have a population in sub-Saharan Africa, which has an average IQ in the 70s, reproducing like crazy and on the move, there is a challenge to be faced. And the challenge is partly the result of massive amounts of foreign aid being dumped into the country, and there's a wide variety of issues at play here. But it just seems insane to me that we're not talking about any of these basic issues. Central Council of Jews in Germany President 
Yosef Schuster said, In principle, I have nothing against crosses in official buildings, but one must, one must ask themselves the question of what meaning they should actually have. <laughs> it's very helpful. Central Council of Muslims in Germany chairwoman Ayman Meziak said, We Muslims have no problem with the cross, even with the appreciation of religion and social life. However, state neutrality should always be respected. What does not work is the double standard of accepting Christian symbols, but banishing Muslim, Jewish, or others from the public sphere. Huh. I wonder if she's talked about the Islamic countries, who seem to do a lot of banning Jewish and Christians and atheists from the public sphere. Or maybe, just maybe, her criticism is mostly directed at the nice people in the country she's in. German Parliament member representing Bavaria and AFD member Martin Sichert said, The AFD welcomes every measure to make it clear to all people that the basis of living together in Germany is a Christian, Western-inspired guiding culture. But more important than such symbolic policies would be to actively live by these values, for example, by renouncing Islamic education. Well, see, uh, Islam is a political system as well as a religious system, and it is a political system that wants itself to be dominant in whatever geographical region it resides in. I don't know why people <laughs> just have such trouble talking about these uh, basic facts, but there we go. Bavarian State Premier Marcus Suder is promoting a CSU political strategy combining strong immigration policy, including the creation of a border police unit and additional refugee holding centers, and a push to protect Bavarian identity and Christian values overall. See, this is you have a government policy called mass migration. And and please understand this is a gov this is not a natural movement of human beings. This is not, well, people are just moving for this is a government policy. People are being paid to move. Massive amounts of gold are being spread out all over the lawn and people with a sign saying, it's all yours if you want it. And then you say, wow, there's a lot of people on my lawn. I guess people just like my lawn. I guess people are just moving randomly around. No, no, it's like you win the lottery, suddenly you have a lot of friends, but they're not there for the quality of your personality. So you have a government program called mass migration where huge amounts of tax money and debt money and unfunded liability money is shoveled at people to bring them into the country. That's a huge government program. It's not, not, not a natural movement of human beings. It's the difference between puberty and a tumor. Both involve growth, but one is healthy and one is not. You have a massive government program called mass migration. So now you need another massive government program called protecting identity. <sighs> Got to let go of the welfare state, people. Got to let go of the welfare state. That's the only thing that will save you. <sighs> and I have my doubts. In conjunction with this push, to protect identity, CSU leader and Interior Minister Horst Seehofer recently announced intentions to implement a new master plan related to migration with or without approval from Chancellor Angela Merkel. Seehofer's plan would include allowing German states to turn away migrants who have previously registered in other European Union countries. So there is this rule which says that if you are a refugee, you have to stay in the first country you put foot on, right? Now, of course, it's Mediterranean and so on. Remember, when it, when it comes to Italy, I think it was like 3 or 4% of the migrants who arrived were actually technically refugees, at least according to what they could establish at the time. Number is probably even lower. So you're, supposed to, you're not supposed to go welfare shopping and make your way throughout Europe until you get to the greatest benefits. That's just not the way it's supposed to work. But of course, anybody who tries to enforce these rules uh, has bad press, bad PR, probably called a racist and Islamophobe and so on. So no individual bureaucrat has any incentive to do so. So it basically doesn't get done. So this provision, which says we're going to turn away migrants who've previously registered in other European Union countries, this provision would legally comply with the controversial Dublin rule, which is a European Union regulation which forces would-be refugees to file for asylum in the first member state where they enter. The enforcement of the Dublin rule has been heavily criticized with confirmed reports of migrants moving from the country of entry and shopping for the best benefits package. Now, following the establishment of the new Italian government coalition, George Soros commented on how the enforcement of the Dublin rule disproportionately impacts certain countries. And I quote, 
Public opinion in Italy has been troubled by how wrong migration policies have imposed an unjust burden on the population. Regulation states that the responsibility for migrants is the first country in which they arrive. This has an out-of-proportion impact on Italy due to another rule that ships that rescue migrants at sea must take them to the nearest safe harbor. Basically, it means in Italy. Right. So Italy would be taking a lot of the migrants if migrants are accepted and allowed. And he says that's wrong. So there's two ways to solve that. Number one, Italy can stop enabling the human traffickers who plow people into the Mediterranean sometimes to their deaths and just return people back and say, I'm really, really sorry that Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton destroyed Libya and opened up the gateways to migration north from Africa. I'm really sorry about all of that, but it's not my problem. I didn't destroy, um, you know, they can all go live with, with Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, who destroyed Libya, as I may have mentioned a few times in this program, thus creating the first open-air slave markets in Libya for quite some time, where you can pick up a human being for $400. So yes, mass migration disproportionately affects Italy. So you can stop the mass migration by taking the boats back to Libya, or what you can do is say, well, now everyone's got to take all of these migrants. Well, I think I know which one George Soros is going for. Now, there's a weird thing too. So some say that if you enforce the Dublin rule, you actually violate the Dublin rule. That's how you know you have a very rational law, right? So if a migrant lands, right? Let's say he's an unaccompanied minor and he's got family members in Germany, then that child or the unaccompanied minor may have a right to apply for asylum there in Germany under the Dublin rule. And people are claiming that is the biggest component of the rule, which is incredibly dishonest. It's very rare for unaccompanied minors to, to do these kinds of passages, but it's a big giant mess. And when you don't have borders and you have a welfare state, right? This is an old argument. It comes out of libertarianism as a whole. You can have open borders or you can have a welfare state. You cannot have both, because if you have open borders and a welfare state, people come for the free stuff, destroy the entire system, and everyone collapses into tribal warfare. <laughs> that's nice. That's a suboptimal outcome. You can have open borders if you don't have a welfare state, because then people who don't assimilate um, and who are wanting free stuff, they don't come because they got to work like crazy. Like a third of the Europeans who entered America in the 19th century returned back home because they didn't like it. It's no welfare state. The welfare state changes everything. Free stuff changes everything. Just look at communism. Now, the growing fear within the European Union is that if Seehofer actually enforces established regulations, then the additional pressure placed on various countries directly receiving the migrant flow, the migrant tsunami, would cause significant political disturbances that would directly threaten the future of the common market. So good. I mean, if... The pain is not spread equally, then someone is the first to cave and someone is the first to actually enforce the regulations on the books. And that's important. So remember, too, the migrants. So let's say you have a family in Africa somewhere and you have six kids and your kids want to go to uh, Europe because, you know, tons of, of free stuff. And they get to see women's ankles, right? So... If, and remember, it's a very patriarchal, very authoritarian kind of society in Africa, particularly in the, in the Islamic areas. So do you send your best and brightest and smartest and most competent kid to go to Europe? Well, no, because you want to keep that person around to help you in your old age, to make money, to you know, be a pride to your... You send probably not your brightest and best to go to Europe because otherwise they're going to be a liability to you. And of course, as many people have pointed out, at a time when... Artificial intelligence and automation and so on, uh, reducing the need for unskilled labor, importing millions of low-skilled people is, uh, well, it's a collision course uh, that is going to be, has the potential to be worse than anything that's happened in, in human history. German Chancellor Angela Merkel on June 14, 2018 said, I consider illegal immigration to be one of the biggest challenges for the European Union and think that we therefore should not act unilaterally without consultation and at the expense of third parties. <sighs> you know, Angela, the third parties whose expense is currently being invoked are the German taxpayers as a whole. And listen, think of this. 
the European governments or governments around the world, Western governments as a whole, that can't seem to find any conceivable way to prevent people from coming into the country illegally, say, well, it's a big border, we can't do it. If you build a 10-foot wall, people will come with an 11-foot ladder. It's just not possible. Well, think of all the resources and power and technology and focus and aggression that is put on enforcing the tax code. Hmm. Enforcing the tax code, tracking every euro in motion and every piece of income and every piece of expenditure and come on, that they can tax hundreds of billions of people in Europe down to the last penny but can't control any borders. It's not a matter of possibility. It's just a matter of willpower. That's all it is. Now, if Seehofer moves forward with implementing his plan, Angela Merkel may need to overrule him, which will likely prompt his resignation, or just fire him as interior minister to prevent his policies, such as the actual enforcement of the Dublin rule, from being enforced. If Seehofer were to exit his position, the long-established union between the Christian Democrats and Seehofer's Christian Social Union would fracture, destroying the existing government coalition, putting Merkel's political future into significant question. This is the beginning of the dominoes that may continue to widen. With the European Union summit starting on June 28th, Merkel is looking for time to establish bilateral deals related to migration with the countries who would be disproportionately impacted, such as Italy and Greece. Now, of course, Angela Merkel could have done this at any time whatsoever. So after President Barack Obama and Secretary of State Hillary Clinton destroyed Libya and helped to further destabilize Syria, and after George W. Bush destroyed Iraq, well, that might have been a pretty good time to revisit policies related to refugees and migration. But of course, it's the government, which means it's reactive and destructive and lies rather than acts as a whole. As a whole, I have a tiny flicker of perhaps wildly optimistic hope that the pendulum may start to swing the other way and reason may be restored to the boundaries of Europe. German Chancellor Angela Merkel on June 16th, 2018 said, This is a European challenge that also needs a European solution, and I view this issue as decisive for keeping Europe together. Ah. Words, words, words. We need common sense solutions to this challenging palala, right? Just a bunch of nonsense. Let me give you some cocaine for that toothache, you'll be fine. Now, many have suggested striking deals similar to those struck between the European Union and Turkey with massive financial compensation offered in return for housing migrants. See, so many people have now become dependent on the government that they view the government as a protector and a provider and, I dare say, a husband. And therefore, they are emotionally shocked when the government does anything coercive, like, for instance, enforce borders. See, people pay their taxes for the most part. And people who don't pay their taxes, it's a very civilized process where they go to court and then they go to jail and there's no guns shown. They're sort of implied. Enforcing borders from people who want to come across, well, means taking out the weaponry. That's just a reality because it's an invasion if they're not supposed to be there. And uh, people don't, they don't want to see their governments be violent because their governments have been so nice to them, giving free health care and education and welfare and child payments and, and free daycare to traumatize their, their babies and so on. And so people have viewed the government as so nice that the idea of the government doing anything aggressive offends people's basic sensibilities. And this is what happens when you exchange your freedom for security. You get a weird relationship to your state to the point where when the state does what the state actually does, which is use force to achieve its will, People get deeply shocked and appalled and don't really want to see it. And that's one of the fundamental problems, I think. Regardless of where the financial resources would come from, to strike such a deal between the European Union and, and Turkey to other places, or the non-existent benefits to German taxpayers, many political figures are simply tired of waiting for a Merkel-backed solution. And the other thing, too, is that if you're paying massive amounts of money, say, to Turkey, to keep the migrants within its borders... All that means is that you're allowing Turkey to become wealthier and better armed. And also, you're giving massive amounts of leverage to Turkey over Europe, which, which then Turkey says, well, maybe we'll just release all these migrants unless you pay us more. It also, of course, since the migrants are supposed to be so economically valuable, why on earth would you pay 
millions and millions and millions of euros to keep them out of Europe. Because you see, they're supposed to be so valuable. That's like paying someone a million dollars to destroy a lottery ticket worth $10 million. Like it makes it's cash in the lottery ticket if it's so valuable if you're paying someone to destroy it. How valuable can it be? German Interior Minister Horst Seehofer said, I have a responsibility for this country, namely to steer and maintain order, and I cannot postpone it until hell freezes over. Therein, State Premier Marcus Suder said, Germany cannot wait endlessly for Europe, but has to act independently. The people of Germany finally expect a turning point on asylum, a turning point in refugee policy. The German people are ultimately very ready to help. It's just that they want clear paths and reasonable politics. And this is the big problem between Europe and Africa. You know, there's this old saying that, that the first pill costs a billion dollars, the second pill costs a dime. Right? So to come up with things like the free market, rational scientific objectivity, separation of church and state, democratic processes, constitutions, to come up with all of that took Europe thousands of years and untold numbers of dead and untold persecution of intellectuals, but came up with a pretty winning combination. Separate church and state, at some point hopefully separate state and economics for exactly the same reason, free markets and so on. That's how you do it. That was the first pill. Now, reproducing that is a whole lot easier. And this was, of course, the goal of many empires and so on. Some of it was predatory, of course. Some of it was more altruistic. And say, hey, you know, we've got this great society. Let's see if we can help you guys achieve the same great society. And it hasn't happened. In fact, quite the opposite has happened. And if the second pill, which costs much less than the first pill, can't be taken by other cultures, if they cannot achieve the mindset, the history, the growth of the West, then them coming to the West isn't going to change anything in their particular mindset in the long run. That's just a basic reality. It's sort of like if you have this, you know, some brother-in-law, right? They use this sort of shifty brother-in-law example. If you have some brother-in-law, you keep giving him money, uh, he keeps sitting around doing nothing and causing problems and getting people pregnant and so on. And then, uh, you know, after 20 years of this, he's like, hey, I'm going to move in with you. What do you, you think is going to happen to your life? Is he suddenly going to become mature and responsible? And right? No. He is who he is. And you've, by the way, enabled, right? All of this foreign aid and so on has enabled corruption and bad behavior on the part of other governments. Refugee activist organization pro asylum head Gunther Buchhardt said, it's about the fundamental question of whether the EU will develop into a law-free zone or considers itself a community of values and laws. Seehofer's plan would leave asylum seekers defenseless, drive the destruction of the rule of law, and finally help to undermine the European project. And this is the funny thing. So now it's become where enforcing something like the Dublin rule is now turning everyone into a law-free zone. And if you see Gunther, if respect for law, if respect for the law is your foundational value, you've got to have a society of people who respect the law, then people who illegally come into your country are not respecting the law. If respect for the law is a big value for you, then importing millions of people, the vast majority of whom are not respecting the law, is not exactly shoring up your claimed unfrawled white flag value called respecting the law. Further complicating matters for Chancellor Merkel, Seehofer recently conferred with new Italian Interior Minister Matteo Salvini, and reportedly the two ministers are in full agreement in relation to immigration and security matters. Both also reportedly desire to act with the goal of no longer wasting time waiting for the European Union to act. German MP Kai Whitaker said, we are in a serious situation because the question of the migration crisis evolved into a power question. The question is, who is leading the government? Is it Angela Merkel or is it Horst Seehofer? Everybody seems to be standing firm, and that's the problem. Here's the thing, too. Show me an example where multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-religiosity has worked really, really well in the past. And so... 
if it's not going to work, and there's some who say that the whole point of all of this migration is to destroy Europe, is that it's not supposed to work, and that's the whole point. But if it's not going to work, then it's going to be a real challenge to deal with the people already in the country. And you know the old saying, when you're in a hole, stop digging. So at least stop taking more for now until we figure out whether this can work or not. German MP Kai Whitaker went on to say, there is a master plan to solve the migration crisis, which consists of 63 ideas of Horst Seehofer. I hope one of those is having a border. <laughs> he goes on to say, we don't know that concept yet, so we are a bit in the blue. This must have to do with the coming election in Bavaria because it is vital for the conservatives to win an overall majority because that's why they have a national importance. This kind of has the potential to diminish the authority of her and Horst Seehofer, and it could well be that at the end of next week we have a new situation. The Social Democrats, or SPD, are also needed to maintain the current German government coalition, and they also seem impatient with the lack of progress on policy related to migration. Now, here's another thing, too. And we've seen this in California, other places in America. So what happens is, if you try to control migration, then what happens is all of these groups, a lot of funded, a lot of them funded by Soros and other people, these legal groups and so on, they start mounting all of these objections and they start tying you up in courts and they start saying, but there's a right and there's a human rights violation and this goes against this law, goes against this regulation. And so what happens? Well, they tie you up in court for years uh, and the migration continues. And we see this with uh, the, the uh, Trump issues uh, in America that it's not that the government's really lost control you got the, and you've got these activist courts these activist courts with people who are staffed either by uh, immigrants or by people who are sympathetic to this kind of mass migration or immigration and they will just rule and it becomes very it's very very tough and the longer you leave it the tougher it gets and this, I think this is the general panic that's going on throughout Europe and uh, yeah it's it's a good time to panic I had a caller into my show once who said, you know, like I'm something like, well, I'm, I'm in my late forties. I'm living in my brother's garage, but I don't want to panic. And I'm like, no, no, panic seems to be an entirely appropriate reaction to that kind of situation. Yeah. It's time to panic. Social Democrats, uh, SPD deputy leader, Ralph Stegner said, those who want concrete proposals on asylum cannot rely on Seehofer and the CSU. That's why the SPD is now developing its own migration concept. Major SPD figures, Vice Chancellor, sorry, Major SPD figure, Vice Chancellor and Finance Minister Olaf Schultz said, we have to make sure that those seeking protection from persecution can find protection in this country. Well, um, Germany is a long way from Africa. So I think you have a rule which says that if you're an asylum seeker, you have to stay in the first country you land in. How can that easily be Germany? Ah, pathological altruism, the downfall of the West. Head of the Christian Democrats in Brandenburg, Ingo Semfleben, said, Dissolving the cooperation agreement would bring the end of the government coalition. That would cause a political earthquake. Reports suggest Seehofer may move forward with this plan as early as Monday, June 18th, 2018, suggesting immediate implications if no further agreement or compromise is reached. Pro tip, everyone, the EU is not going to solve this problem. The EU is not going to enforce borders. It is not going to stop mass migration at all. In fact, it's encouraging it. So, sorry, uh, that's not, uh, not going to happen. So, you either do it yourselves or it doesn't happen and you get overrun. University of Kiel political scientist Marcel Tursu said, there's an ongoing debate among mainstream parties about the way you should respond to extremists. There's one group of people that says you should emulate their policies. And there's another group of people who says that if you start to emulate these parties, you're not going to, you're not going to win back any of those, these voters, but you're going to give legitimacy to these extremists and people are going to vote for the original party. Ugh. Not an argument. This is what's called a political scientist. Labeling people extremists is not an argument. And uh, wanting to maintain culture is not an extremist position. Wanting to have a country is not an extremist position. Wanting to protect the hard-won freedoms from alien forces that millions of your ancestors died to build and maintain is not an extremist position. Just astounding. 
<laughs> you know, I always have these thoughts, right? So this, this is a political scientist, like this person teaches in a university. Well, imagine just coming in and elbowing him aside and saying, well, I'm going to take over this course. He'd be like, hey, you're not allowed in this room. You're not a professor. You don't have the accreditation. You don't know how to study this stuff. You don't know how to teach this stuff. What's your qualification? Get out of my classroom. I wish to have borders around my classroom. Crazy. Or try teaching there with a high school degree and he'll say, hey, you don't have the right paperwork. You don't have a PhD. You're not accredited. You're not published. You're not approved. You don't have the paperwork to be here. But you see, when it's abstract and others, somehow these rules no longer ever apply. Now, Seehoff is one of the interesting things that happened. He was diagnosed with a serious coronary infection in 2002 and could easily have died. In fact, if he'd been in England, where 500,000 people swarmed in last year, overwhelming the healthcare system, I think the odds would be far higher that he would have died. So this brush with death, it's kind of perceived that Seehofer's brush with death convinced him to never compromise on his core political principles. Therefore, one bacteria, one virus, one serious, I guess a bacteria infection, one serious coronary infection might give all of Europe a second chance to survive. Europe can survive Europe and did for two world wars. Whether Europe can survive Africa, no. Asylum applications by country, this is as of 2017. Germany, 222,560. Italy, 128,850. France, just under 100,000. Greece, under 59,000. In the UK, 33,780. Boy, you've really got to be running hard if you can run up the Atlantic all the way around to England, and that can be the first place you land on. Whew, amazing stuff. That's some real motivation. Asylum applications, percent of total EU applications by country as of 2017. Germany, 31.5%. Italy, 18.3%. France, 14.1%. Greece, 8.3%. UK, 4.8%. And you understand, they're just, they're coming to go on welfare. They're coming to get free stuff. And they're also coming because ideologies uh, like Islam promote the spread of themselves, right? Uh, And um, that's part of the um, fundamental ethos of the belief system. And so, yeah, you get free stuff and you get to do good according to your belief system. Kind of tough to say no. Asylum applications by country. This is 2000 to 2017. As you can see, things were fairly stable until 2011, 2012. And then, of course, Germany just went through the absolute roof, taking almost three quarters of a million asylum applications in 2016. And that has come down, but it's still enormous. And of course, these people, of course, they're going to come into your country. They're going to sit on welfare. They're going to have a huge number of kids. They're going to fundamentally change the demographics and they're only going to vote for their own ideology. You see, you can have discussions about ideas in general. Well, let me sort of rephrase this. Okay, so if race is not a central issue, then you can have discussions about ideas. But if race is a central issue and the left is constantly promoting race as a central issue, ethnicity as a central issue, then you can't really have arguments about ideas because everyone's got their own ethnic and group preference. And therefore, your country is going to fragment and turn against itself. And either one group takes over or... there's kind of a civil war. I mean, that's just the way it works. In Germany in particular, Germany, of course, has lost its own history. That when Germany fragmented into warring versions or flavors of Christianity, after Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the church door, then every religious group in Germany was attempting to gain control over the government in order to impose its version of Christianity on every other group. And there was horrifying stuff going on, right? The Calvinists, the Svengalians, the Lutherans, the Protestants, the Catholics, everybody's at war. And the Anabaptists who believe in adult baptism, when they were captured by other religious groups, they were held underwater and drowned saying, how do you like your adult baptism now? It was a brutal time. Travelers going through Germany at the time said that you could scarcely find a tree without a body hanging from it. Because that's what happened when absolutist incompatible religions gather with a powerful state in a central geographical location. It's what happens. Ah, well, if you don't remember your history, you get to repeat it until you learn or you die.
Asylum applications by country from 2000 to 2017. Germany's taken in over 2.4 million. France, over a million. United Kingdom, almost three quarters of a million. Sweden, over 700,000. In a population of what, 10 million? It's crazy. Italy, 647,000. And see, here's the thing. If you're taking the best and brightest from Africa, then Africa is still going to be a disaster, right? Because if you take the best and brightest from Africa, then Africa continues to decay, and therefore the next best and brightest are going to try and get out, and therefore Africa is going to get even worse. So if you're intellectually strip-mining the highest IQ people from another continent, you're simply ensuring that what starts as a trickle grows to a true tsunami, and your fragile sandcastle of a civilization can't withstand it, at least without overwhelming force, which a majority of people have forgotten that the state is force, and therefore a shocked when it does it. If you're taking people below average, then, well, even in your teenage years, 80% of intelligence is genetic. If you're taking people of below average intelligence and ability and they have a bunch of kids, particularly if it's cousin marriage-based, well, because we can't talk about basic science, we can't protect ourselves. Migrants in Germany, United Nations estimates on foreign-born or foreign citizens. So in 1990, there were almost 6 million. 1995, 7.4 million. 2000, almost 9 million. 2005, 9.4 million. 2010, 9.8 million. 2015, 10.2 million. 2017, 12.2 million, almost. Come on, people. I mean, this is a quarter century. It's almost doubled. It just doubles again from here, right? Like you know that old, it's an old, not really a riddle, but someone goes to the king and says, uh, uh, that the price for some service I'm going to give you is that you, you give me um, one grain of rice on the first piece of the chessboard, then two, then four, then 16, right? You understand? And at the end of the chessboard, he's got all of the rice, all of the grains of rice in the entire kingdom, and more. Migrants in Germany, what are, who are they composed of? Poland, almost 2 million. Turkey, 1.6 million. Russian Federation, just over a million. Kazakhstan, a million. Romania, almost 600,000. Chechia, 545,000. Italy, 415,000. Ukraine, 262,000. Austria, 258,000. Greece, 215,000. Ah, <sighs> I just bring in people, use them for cheap labor. It's going to be great because otherwise you have to automate and then people live in a more civilized fashion. So, look, something has to give in Europe. We all understand that something has to give as a whole in the West. The current mass importation, mass welfare payments, mass breeding opportunities, it's not sustainable. The status quo is not an option. Even if you want it to be, it's simply not going to be an option. Now, Italy has begun to push back hard. Uh, Theresa May, in her negotiations with the EU, um, a desire for control over the borders and maintenance of culture was a fundamental driver behind Brexit. And Theresa May, well, is puts a spineless jellyfish to shame when it comes to negotiating with the EU. Nevertheless, she persisted in not persisting. So that's not going to solve anything, at least until she is replaced. And every day you don't deal with this problem it gets exponentially worse. And people think, okay, well, there's going to be some kind of integration, but you understand that the left is pushing for the importation of these people because these people vote for the left. Muslims vote for labor. Uh, Hispanics vote for Democrats. I mean, everybody votes, everybody's coming in from these third world cultures votes for the left because they don't have the Western tradition of small government, self-reliance, free market, separation of church and state, free speech. I've done presentations on all of this, which you can see on my channel. But the left wouldn't be working this hard to import people if they thought, well, next generation, they'll just vote conservative. And this is why, of course, the uh, farmers in South Africa, the white farmers in South Africa who are being persecuted and the whites as a whole who are being driven into basically squatter camps, uh, nobody will give them refuge because they will not vote for the left. And so the left doesn't want integration. The left doesn't want the values that, come from, that these other cultures bring in to go away because they're bringing these people in to vote for the left, right? The left lost a lot of credibility after, in the 1960s, after Khrushchev talked about the crimes and cult of personality of Joseph Stalin, and after uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn 
put out uh, his works detailing the prison camps in Russia. And so they said, well, we can't win the argument intellectually anymore, so let's just win it demographically and start importing groups of people who are going to be dependent on the state and who are going to want the government to provide them with all these free resources, right? See, the left, communism as a whole, socialism as a whole, it made more sense when people in the West were poorer. But as people in the West became wealthier, as you become wealthier, you want the government to protect your property and stop taking stuff from you to give to others, right? Because you have enough for yourself and you want to protect. So as people become wealthier under the free market, the left runs out of people to defend, to protect, to bribe, to, right? So as countries become wealthier, the left wants to import people who are going to be poor and probably stay poor so that they can have a stable voting base of people to bribe with other people's money. So they don't want integration, understand? They know that integration is not going to occur. They know that they're bringing in demographics, uh, uh, slices that are overwhelmingly going to vote for the left as a whole, who have almost no interest or affinity with libertarian or small government ideas at all. So this is not, like you're, you're being fooled. When you talk about integration, it's not what it's for. They want to breed dependents and taxpayers. They want to take your money to buy votes from other groups, and uh, it's going to collapse. It is, of course, expensive to the taxpayer. It is expensive to the government as a whole. And peace of mind, peace of mind is one thing that's important. I mean, just this morning in France, a woman, uh, a female jihadist shouted Allahu Akbar and attacked and injured uh, two other people in a supermarket. And you see these concrete barriers everywhere and you're worried about cars driving down and maybe mounting the sidewalk and you're worried about bombs and you're worried about unattended packages and all the stuff that I grew up with when the IRA was was bombing uh, in, in London. It's peace of mind, security, being able to go out at night freely, being able to go to concerts, being able to, right? It's a, it's a mindset that, that you lose. You lose the security of mindset. But this is the wages of sin. This is the wages of the welfare state. This is the wages of turning to the government as a provider of free stuff rather than a protector of the stuff you already have. This is what happens when you make a deal with the devil. He gives you the world and you lose your soul, and you're getting food stamps, but you might lose everything else.